With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Go ahead and start. Talk Recorded live. Well, I'm really glad for the people that could join us uh, this evening and um, that we're able to come on board. We are uh, an hour early uh, than we usually do this broadcast. Um, I really like... Uh, the topic that um, Brother Edward uh, chose tonight because it is so timely uh, for what is going on. We're living in a in a time where people don't even understand um, really what uh, true love is. <laughs> I, you know, when I was coming up as a kid, they put out a one of these little romance magazines called True Love. And it was the furthest thing from love. It was more like it should have been named True Lust, I think. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. uh, you know, we we look at the love of Christ, and we're going to be talking about that. But um, why don't we start out, uh, Brother Ed, by you just kind of giving your, your thoughts of what brought this to your mind and why, why you see this as a relevant topic for for our discussion. Well, because there is so much in the media, so much in the movies that twists in people's minds what love is. And so people grow up with this sense of love being uh, a romantic feeling when uh, if you read the scriptures, for what they say, that's not at all what love is. So uh, it, the, the, the Bible has a built-in dictionary that explains what terms mean. And so this, this idea of an emotion, a feeling of infatuation or a feeling of warmth or, or, or a feeling that one person has towards another as being love is not at all what the Bible says love is. So let's look at the built-in dictionary and see what God tells us love is. So let's look at Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 32 and verse 33. So oftentimes God uses parallel passages in order to explain what he means by what he says. So in, in Luke verse six or chapter 6, verse 32, uh, Jesus says, For if ye love them which love you, what thank ye? For sinners also love those that love them. Okay, so he's talking about love. He mentioned love here four times. The word appears four times. Okay, so let's see what he means. In the very next verse, he tells you, and if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank ye? For sinners also do even the same. So 
Love is doing good. It is doing good to another. Love is an action. It's not a feeling. It's an action. It's how you treat another person. It is treating another person the way you would want to be treated. So, and, and I, I could continue, okay, and, but we'll stop right there and, and pause, and, and we can discuss this point, and let me know what you think of these passages. Well, I think that that is really good. And, you know, um, we, can have, we can have knowledge. We can have the knowledge of, of what Christ says love is, um, but personally putting it into action is another issue. And, you know, I know that there are many passages in John that even talk about um, this whole aspect of brotherly love and how that that is actually a signal, and, and we can look at those passages later, but that is actually a signal as to whether we're even one of his or not, if we have love one for another, and so on. And so... Uh, I agree. Um, in you know, I agree with. I I don't. How can how can one disagree with the Bible? You know, uh, I mean that that's right, the thing right. that that that's the thing that amazes me. I mean, uh, in First John three fourteen it says we know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in. You know, and right. This has been a real, real um, um, test of faith for me, uh, and I, I'm pretty transparent about it uh, because um, oftentimes I find that I'm very jaded in our culture, in our society, uh, and I could give some personal examples. I'll give one, um, and this isn't pick on my mother day. <laughs> okay, because I, I, I do, I do love my mother. However, do my actions uh, portray the love for my mother? Sometimes they do not, because I have, they call it in secular psychological terms, cognitive dissonance. I call it spiritual deference. Okay, <laughs> that is mm-hmm. that uh, my mother does not uphold the teachings of Christ in a lot of areas. And he says, if you love me, you will keep my sayings. That's another passage. And she doesn't keep the sayings of Christ. She denies election, predestination. She denies, uh, you know, she's one of these um, DBR people. And I know you've run into a lot of the DBRs, you know. Death, burial, and resurrection. Death, burial, and resurrection. Death, burial, and resurrection. Which mm-hmm. I'm glad that she believes in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. But she she just blatantly denies election. So um, it becomes a point of of there's no, whenever we're talking because she's so set in her ways doctrinally that it becomes a point of contention. And so that's where the as this aspect of love, really the the pedal really meets the metal, you know. And uh, and I will be the first to say that I have really struggled, and I'm glad we're talking about this issue. Uh, go ahead, brother Ed. 
Well, that's a very good point. And you mentioned, uh, if you love me, you will keep my commands. See, yeah. the love, the love that uh, that we show towards one another is directly linked, as you know, to the love we have for Christ. So um, that love is a supernatural love. You cannot cannot have that love without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Because if you you look at um, uh, 1 John chapter 4, it says, Beloved, let us love one another for the love for love is of God. That is love comes from God and everyone that loveth is born of God. So to 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 love in the way that that uh, uh that God wants us to love one another uh is comes from God. It is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And it's manifested in what you do towards another person. And we see that concept in James, you see. And right. uh, so, so if, if, you, if you look at 1 John further, it says that uh, God is love. Okay, in this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. So if, and it says further, if we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. So the manifestation of God's love by us towards another is really an outgrowth. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's that, and that's a supernatural thing. It's not natural to love. It is not our natural inclination. It is contrary to our flesh. It's contrary to our natural inclination. And so what the devil has done is he created a false love that he puts in Hollywood that this is what love is, okay? Love is, uh, you know, a, a fornicating for, for a night. Oh, that's, that, that's love. That's really the feeling. Or some other thing, okay, some other warm, fuzzy feeling where, uh, or, or saying the words to somebody, I love you, that that's somehow some magical manifestation of love, when in fact it's treating somebody else the way you would want to be treated in every instance. And it's a, it's a supernatural thing. It's something that is contrary to our nature, and it's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in this world through his church. Wow, that's... Uh... That is very, very convicting to me. Okay. I will say it, it, it is very convicting, uh, and it, but it's true because Christ said, even as it relates to our enemies, that we're to love our enemies and to do good yes. to those that, that spitefully use you and say all manner of against you falsely and so on. And uh, I was thinking about while you were talking about this the Holy Spirit's exhibiting this kind of um, um, act of love for our, for not only our brothers but also for our enemies and so on. 
I was thinking about you know, back to the 24th chapter of Matthew, and I've I've said that I, and of course this is just my opinion, and I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, I stand to be uh, uh, corrected. But of course, a lot of people that talk about, and I don't want to get off subject here, but a lot of people that get into the 24th chapter of Matthew, they 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 try to say it's all preterist, you know, everything happened in 70 AD and that's all over with and, you know, and all of that, even down to the return of Christ and all of this stuff. But I think that uh, it's, it, it is very much uh, timely for today, you know, and he, and I just want to, there, there's really one, one thing that, I find real interesting in this passage in the ninth verse. It says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And, and here's the one that I, I really, and I think this is apropos for us today. I've discovered this in associating with brothers in Christ. Verse 10, And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and she'll hate one another, and I, you know, and I see a lot of, you know, uh, in other words, I know, I know uh, that there's a lot of people out there that would just assume that I would be dead. Okay, they hate me, they absolutely mm-hmm. abhor me, and primarily they hate me and abhor me uh, for, you know, really. For standing up for the Word of God, and I think I, you know, I don't, um, I don't understand all of that because, you know, to be honest and transparent about it, these are all people that believe that are DBR people that believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, but yet the the tipping point, okay, the tipping point, the anger that comes forth is when one starts uh, affirming the sovereignty of God in salvation and in all things. And when you start quoting Ephesians, that he works all things after the counsel of his own will. And so what I've learned is, you know, not to even get involved in conversations a lot of times with these folks because we I know what the response is going to be. So I don't want to get off the subject, but back to your subject regarding our love for not just the brethren, but also the love for our neighbor and even for the love for those that, that are our enemies. That's where I stand the most convicted, brother. And um, I have, I've had to repent many times. And of course, it wasn't my repentance. God's the one that granted me repentance, you know, in my heart when I, when I was, when I harbored resentments in that against a brother or a sister in Christ. Yeah. It, well, we're all guilty of that. I mean, yeah. in this flesh dwells no good thing. So we yeah. we have that in us, this flesh, this this tent that we're in. Uh, it tempts us to sin. You know, there is there is a right. constant battle with the flesh. We all face that. Uh, you know, and so I I can understand completely what you're saying. Uh, if you it, and and getting to what you said about loving your enemies in, in Matthew chapter five. There's a great passage where Jesus says, love your enemies. Now, this is interesting. He says, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. Okay, so he's, 
he, he explains here what love your enemies means. It is right, right. Do, do good to them that hate you. Your enemies hate you, but do good to them. See? Yes. And, uh, you know, so he's telling you right in the passage what he means by love your enemies. It doesn't mean you have to have a warm, fuzzy feeling for them. It means right. despite right. your feelings, you should do good to them that hate you. Very difficult to do, okay, but it's a command. It's not a suggestion. This is not optional. This is a command from God Almighty. And what did, what did Jesus say? If you love me, you will keep my commands. That's right. So, that's right. And that's one of the commands that, that, that we are to keep. Oh, that's uh, that's really good, and you know, um, Walt, brother Walt, and I've had long talks about this, you know, and brother Walt is real sensitive about these things, and he's he's been a very uh, good example to me because I, you know, like you said, I get in the flesh and all, you know, it's real easy to uh, to get in a defensive posture, defending our faith, defending the doctrine, defending this, defending that. But if I know I did a message one time and I, you know, wanted to set forth and I was really preaching to myself is I can be right in my doctrine and wrong in the way I convey it. You know what I'm saying? The spirit that I'm conveying it. Uh, I can be right, right down the line doctrinally, correct. But in the way, in, you know, and, in, and I told a fellow one time, because uh, he used the term spiritual pride, and I said, that, that is, that is, that is uh, an oxymoron in terms. There's no such thing. Pride is not spiritual, okay? Good point. Good point. Because <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I hear that a lot. Well, it's just spiritual pride. No, it's pride. It's not spiritual, yeah. you know. And, and but no, you're you're absolutely right. And and the other question I would like for you to kind of address, I think, and because it's I think it's so relevant in a society which you were talking about a while ago, that everything is tolerance and everything is you just go along with anything, you know, check your brains in at the door. I mean, uh, even down to the point of if you don't you know, if you don't almost accept uh, the transgender and homosexual lifestyle, you're a bigot. If you don't accept uh, those who are touting just blatant false doctrine, whether it, whatever it would be, Arminianism, dispensationalism, futurism, whatever it is, then you're just narrow-minded and you're you're hateful, you know. And so oftentimes these terms get turned on their face. I know that I have had situations where uh, I, when I was, I've shared this with other people, but when all this was going on with the state of Missouri and my case, and I was going on these different radio broadcasts, you know, as long, you know, Everybody loved me until I wrote a book, <laughs> okay? In the last chapter of the book, I was proclaiming the sovereignty of God in salvation and redemption in creation and all things. And all of these people who were my best friends, okay, one of them, mm-hmm. Dick Bott, you know, Dick Bott owns Bott Broadcasting, and, you know, I was on his program about five times. And all of a sudden, 
I never heard from him again. You know, and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. These people are all Christians. Jay Seculo says he's a Christian. Dick Bott says he's a Christian. Uh, you know, Beverly LaHaye says she's a Christian. John Hagee. You know, I got letters from all these people. You know, want me to be on coming. You know, even Doctor D. James Kennedy. You got a letter from his organization. He wanted me to come out. But yet, when they found out that I was they they call me an absolute or a hard shell. <laughs> okay, and an anti Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. They didn't want to have anything to do with me. See, at one time Dick Bott wanted me to go on a circuit with Phyllis Shafley of Eagle Forum and go across the country and speak on this homosexuality issue. You know, that's back then when it was PC, still politically correct. And uh but he had a he he had a meeting with me at the Embassy Suites Hotel in Overland Park, and he said, "Hey, you know, uh, what do you think of Charles Finney?" This was a test. It was a test, and I said, "Charles Finney, as far as I'm concerned, did more to destroy the true gospel than anybody I know in this country." Uh, unless you're talking about John Wesley. And he was ready to throw me under the bus. I mean, he wow. had Charles, Charles Finney was his best buddy. Oh, Charles Finney did wonder, grand and wonderful things. I'm just using that as an example about this issue of love. You know, like you said, love is is an action. It's not a feeling. And so, you know, what, what I've got to the way people have come at me regarding these people I've just mentioned, the reason they basically threw me under the bus, uh, even my own mother's church threw me under the bus. They had My mother's church had me come and speak regarding my case, and when she got my book, she asked them to put it out in their camp meeting. And they read the last chapter of my book and called up my mom and says, we can't, we can't let him, we can't put that book out in the camp meeting. He's, he's a case. Well, they accuse me of being a Calvinist. I'm not a Calvinist. You know that. I, I right. don't. I don't. I don't endorse infant baptism and a lot of things Calvinists right. endorse. But it was because I wasn't upholding the Arminian doctrine. So the point I'm trying to make. I'm going to shut up here in a second. But the point I'm trying to make is this: love is not like you said, just a touchy feely thing. It's it's based upon discernment and 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 standing for the truth, you know? Right, right. Well, I mean, Proverbs uh, 27.5 says, open rebuke is better than secret love. And uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, them that sin, rebuke before, all's, before all that others may fear, also may fear. And then uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So, you know, love is to tell somebody when they're in error. Right. I mean, if if somebody is doctrinally wrong and you can see that, I mean, look what look what Paul did with Peter. He openly rebuked him for his uh his Judaizing and uh and Peter apparently accepted it and got on board. He he realized he was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And but I, I must say 
that, like you already indicated, um, in that there's been many times when I have found myself, um, uh, you know, deceived in that I was, even though I was standing for the truth, I was in the flesh. And if you're mm-hmm. in the flesh, you can't please God. And I've had to ask God to help me in that regard. And sometimes it's better to, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, it's it, it, sometimes when we, you know, when we open our mouth, it's a lot easier for a foot to get in it. <laughs> okay, then right. we just right. quiet at times. So I am. I have been. I have been guilty of that. And uh, Chris, uh, are you on board with us? Do you have any thoughts about what we've talked about so far, brother? Well, yeah. I, you know, the greatest love ever, I think ever shown to me was uh, a couple of people, you know, when I was more of an Arminian, they they told me the true gospel. I think that's the greatest love I can show anybody is to tell them the truth about right. the Good sovereignty point. of God. And so yeah. forth, you know, and that's Good. that's really all I can Good think point. of. Uh, there is a verse in there that says, "If you, what I think Jesus said, it's there's no greater love than to lay your life down for someone." You know, now, I don't right. know if that applies to the heathen or not, but uh, anyway, those are a couple of well, things it, I it, well, it, 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 he's he's he stated a, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you. Well, how did he love us? Yeah. He, get, he sacrificed yeah. himself for us. See? And that's a new commandment, by the way. So he said it's a new commandment. It's not like the old commandment, treat others the way you want to be treated. No, no, no. Beyond that, self-sacrificing. This is pretty tough stuff when you think about oh, it. Oh, it is. It is. It really is. Yeah, well, you know, you know, Chris, the, the true gospel is hard language for people. They don't, they don't want to hear it. And but that, I, I think that is the great love you can share to to a stranger who's without the truth, and tell them they may not, they may not like you for it, but you've exhibited love. I think in a in a God fearing way. I, I think you're absolutely right, God. Chris. That's that's probably the most important thing uh, that we can do is to share the gospel, the true gospel. And if somebody is under the Arminian deception, to point out that they're in error. Now, they're not going to like it. They're not going to like it. As Larry has found out, they might hate you, okay? But that is your lot in life. Jesus said, if the world hate you, understand they hated me first. And Arminianism is of the world. That's the entire world system. Oh, yeah. This idea of free will. I mean, we are... It's interesting. Most people are not receptive. I have a feeling the two of you and myself and everybody on this call was not uh, indifferent to hearing the truth. God put that in us. I I have a feeling that's the case here with all of us. Good point. I happen to have been very right. receptive to it. God made me a seeker, so I was very receptive to to dig into God's word and more to prove these things are so. And yeah. and they were. 
they were true that God's sovereign grace is 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 the truth, you know, yeah. and that's the greatest love that we can, that can be shared to us and that we can share to those who are without. You know, it's, you it's know, brother, what brother, you're saying brother. is so true because I had the same, and I, and I do believe the Holy Spirit will will draw people out of that error if they are in it. And everybody that's starts out as Arminians. I'm telling you, it just, it's just <laughs> the way right. it is. It's the way the world system is. You know, you know, I totally agree with what both of you just said because I had a, exactly the same experience. I had an old farmer uh, start talking to me, and he ended up giving me the sovereignty of God by Arthur Pink. And I'm forever grateful for that today. For him doing that, I'd never, ever been exposed to the truth of God's sovereignty and salvation. And when I started reading through Arthur Pink's book, Sovereignty of God and His Attributes of God, it had a, you know, and obviously it led me back to the Word of God and so on. And uh, anyway, there's a a passage here that I think uh, is often misapplied in Ephesians 3.17. It says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. And to know the love of Christ with passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of love. With all, And then he goes on, even in, in, in Ephesians 4, with all holiness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. But then he says in the 15th verse, but speaking the truth in love. Okay, speaking the truth in love, and that's the, that's really you can't separate love from the truth, and you can't separate truth from love. They're inseparable, right. and that's what I think you're saying, Ed. Is that you know we if we're going about and we're just trying to get men's acceptance, okay, we're going to have to compromise all over the place. You know, yeah. just that's why that's why we've got these mega church. That's why we. I thought my uh, Michael Smith said something really good. He said, you know, because he was talking this. Uh, I, I did a Bible. I uh, went to a Bible over the weekend, and he was talking about some of these very same things. And he said, you know, uh, when you start speaking the truth in love, there's not going to be a lot of people that want to be around you. He goes. You know, if you start, if you went into Joe Osteen's church up in the pulpit and you started speaking the truth of the gospel in love, Joe Osteen's church would go down the tubes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. And so, well, that's, I mean, that's, Joel, yeah. Joel Osteen and the rest of them are keen mathematicians. Wide yeah. is the way that leads to destruction. So he's trying to get the wide crowd. He doesn't that's want right. a small church. He wants the these guys. He wants the big church. Right. The big money. That's right. So Satan has framed a gospel for the big, wide way to destruction. Do you? There seems to be a a huge uh, emphasis in the New Testament. Um, you know, yes, Christ Christ emphasizes the love for for all people and our neighbors and so on. But there also seems to be a very specific uh, amount of time addressing the love of the saints and the love for the brethren and so on and it seems to be qua- it seems to be quantifying 
significantly more so. In other words, um, uh, and uh, I have I have sensed that myself. In other words, when I find someone like Brother Chris says that is of like mind and like faith and and upholds the Word of God, uh, they're so far few and far between. They're hard to find. You know, I mean, it's like it's like it's like you're a person in the wilderness, and all of a sudden you you think, wow, you mean there's a, I kind of you know like Elijah, you know. I have to remind, be reminded often that there there's still seven thousand that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You know, uh, mm-hmm. why don't you talk a little bit about the love that we have, we as brothers and sisters in Christ have for each other, uh, and how that is even even a greater kind of love than we have just for someone out on the street. Well, I I am not. Uh, well-versed in that concept because while it is stated, um, I, I hearken back to this idea that love should be unfeigned, okay? So it's not selective. See, it, it, God describes that our love uh, is similar to the love that he shows for the world. He said, he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And so that we should love both the evil and the good. So, you know, I'm not clear that there's that distinction in what we do towards the evil or the righteous. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, I... I, I would say this that probably the only thing I would want to point out, and that is, I I do believe that uh, we are to you know we're commanded to love our enemies and so on. Um, I don't believe, in other words, um, I I do believe that God is um, um, a he is not a respecter of any people, tongue, or nation. But he is a respecter of certain people. Okay, and the reason that I say that, and see, this is where uh, a lot of people get really bent out of shape, but when you go back and you do a a verse-by-verse study of the ninth chapter of Romans, he says that the children being not yet born, not having done any good or evil, and and so in other words, here we have two things. First of all, we have the doctrine of original sin that's pointed out in Romans five that we all died in Adam. But the other thing we have is we have the choice of God regarding what's going to happen to these twins that are in the mother's womb. Of one lump, he makes one unto honor and the other to dishonor, and he says specifically. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. So Jesus Christ does not love everybody. And That's anybody true. that anybody that sets forth that Jesus Christ loves everybody and he made it possible for all men to be saved is not being true to the word of God because Christ said all that the Father have given me will come to me. And he also said to the Pharisees, you're of your father, the devil. So we have two groups of people 
we have and and I'm not being boastful and saying aha you know I'm one of the elect and you know those people are reprobate no that's I don't have an election meter I don't go around zapping people to tell them whether they're elect or reprobate well what I am saying is and my understanding of the word of God there are two kinds of people on the face of the earth and one of them are one of them are have been recipients of God's grace and the other have not. And and at, we will see who those people are at the end, where he, on the right hand, he has the sheep, and on the left hand, he has the goats. And uh, it wasn't any foreseen thing in, in, in Jacob that caused God to love him. It wasn't his foreseen faith or his foreseen... In fact, you know, we know that Jacob means that the deceiver. I mean, he was he wasn't the greatest. You know, he 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 was he had his flesh, and he he deceived Esau out of his birthright and a lot of other things. But the point I'm trying to make is is that we've got this whole group of people out there, like Billy Graham, that's touting that God loves everybody, and God made it possible that all men should be saved, and that all men have. Uh, uh, you know, and this is where common grace, the whole aspect of this theological term of common grace, if you do want to do an interesting study sometimes, study the the uh, split that took place between the Christian Reformed Church and the Protestant Reformed Church over this very thing. You know, God reigns on the just and the unjust, but that's reign. That's not grace. Okay? And... and, and it's not that I'm unloving in purporting this doctrine that God doesn't love everybody. I believe it's being truthful when telling people that God doesn't love everybody and he is He is unconditional in his love to those for whom he has chosen from the foundation of the world. Now, let me ask you this, because um, I agree with everything you've said. Um, what does he mean? by this because he seems to use this as an example of how we should treat the those that hate us that he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and he sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust and he says for if we love them which love you what reward have ye do not even the publicans the same so he's mm-hmm. he's sort of saying listen i i am i'm treating Everybody the same, and so you should too, whether you're enemies or not, but you're absolutely right. Is he now using that as an example of in this world, in this life, how the evil people do, some, in some respects, they prosper? And is that, is, now, if, this is really, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand this, because he is using that as an example of how we should be objective and not selective in our love towards another, in our actions towards another. Both our enemies and those who are not our enemies, we should treat with love. We should do good to them, just as he does good to even the evil and the unjust. So he does good, but in his heart, he does hate them. So isn't it, isn't it, isn't it that, okay, he's treating them well, 
Ultimately, though, they're headed for destruction. So while they're on earth and he treats them well, we should also treat them well. Isn't that sort of the example? But he has a terrible plan for them once they die. So he, he, has, he has elected them for destruction. And so now God can hate. That is something that, uh, that he can do without sin. We, however, is it fair to say that because we are not God, that we cannot sin? God can kill. We're not allowed to kill. So what do you think? I mean, how do you... Well, I, think, you know, I, think, I think you make some good points. In other words, uh, there's, I think we have to draw a distinction between, you know, again, what this aspect of love and how it demonstrates itself out in our response to those who um, would would hate us and are our enemies and so on. Um, you know, I think that uh, there, there's a lot of people that uh, I absolutely abhor their behavior. That's a different issue. I abhor what they stand for. I abhor, um, you know, um, I abhor... Um, um, people who who blaspheme my Savior's name and so on. Um, but at the same time, who am I? Uh, it, by the grace of God, I would be one of them. Okay. Right. I mean, I, I, I mean, it, it, I know that I think it was Cowper. I think it was Cowper. Or, no, it was the it was the guy that wrote Amazing Grace. Anyway, he was saying that he 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 walked down the street one time and he saw a wretched drunk in the gutter and he said, "But by the grace of God, there would I be." And that's and also I know that my I know my own depravity. I know my own tendencies towards sin and wickedness and everything. The only difference in myself and and maybe those people is that I have a mediator that I can go to and I can confess my sins and I know he's faithful and just to forgive me my sin. But yet, I don't know that those people are not uh, God's elect, like I said. And so I, uh, in First Thessalonians 3.12, it's kind of touching on what you're saying. It says, the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and all men, even as we do toward you. That's basically what you just said, okay? In other words, uh, our love should be some way, it should spill out. Uh, maybe that's the wrong way of saying it. But in other words, it, it should uh, some way be manifested uh, with our neighbor, with those that are against Christ, uh, with those that we we should you know, if we if the spirit of God is in us, it should manifest itself. You know, and I, I think yeah. that's what you're saying. Yeah, but I'm trying to get I'm trying to get this concept here. So now God does hate those whom He's elected for destruction. Right now, we are to love our enemies, but we don't have the omniscience of God. So we don't know whether our enemy today will be saved by God tomorrow. 
And so, therefore, he tells us to do good to everybody. You think that's the concept here? Well, I think so. I think that, um, you know, if you go back to the Psalms, um, you know, David is uh, seems to be somewhat <laughs> duplicitous. He he talks about he abhors all the workers of iniquity and so on, but we, we know he's speaking of God there. And he also talks about that um, even the plowing of the wicked is an abomination to God. In other words, but at the same time, uh, the the thing that you're pointing out, which is you know very well received by me, I don't know how everybody else is receiving it, but in other words, we cannot stand in the place of God. Only God has the right to do with his creatures what he wants to do. We don't have that right. You know, the only thing right. we can do is to obey his commandment. He says that if you love me, you will keep my commandments, you know. And um, and uh, anyway, so, so this abhorrence. Now, I do think that we... Uh, uh you know we when we when i when we speak against any kind of thing whether it's you know homosexuality adultery fornication uh lying whatever it is we should abhor those things and of course our our focus should be on our own sin and not on other sins you know, I I think it's real easy to get in the mode where we're out looking out rather than looking back, and then I'm speaking to myself. You know, it's, it's much easier to see other people's faults than to see our own. You know. Now in Romans twelve nine, he says, "Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil." And cleave to that which is good, and so I, I think we are to abhor things that are evil. You know, we look around, we see our society, the immoral depravity, and everything else. And, and like Lot, we're vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked every day. But at the same time, we are to love those. Um, you know, we are to love those that. Uh, hate us and and that's a hard and you love your enemies i mean listen <laughs> that's like you said if we don't have the holy spirit of god we're we're not we're, we're it, we have no ability at all unless we have the spirit of god in us that's all you know right right and and the idea that we treat others the way we would want to be treated is such a a simple rule to understand Difficult to apply, because how many yeah. times have you come across situations where a person justifies, or an organization even, businesses, I've seen it with, uh, I've seen it with people in management positions, where their position is, well, that's the way it was done to me, and yeah. my thought is, so, if everybody does that along the line and treats everybody the way they've been treated, not the way they would like to be treated, but the way they've been treated that means that everybody's going to be treated poorly in this in this organization. See, and and, right. and so this these are rules 
for everybody. If you apply these very simple rules, you'll have a wonderful organization, uh, you know, in, in interpersonal relationships. I mean, this is really the key. This is the key thing, this idea of love. And I, I don't care what the organization is, what the endeavor is, but to sacrifice for another, to do what is best for another person, uh, I mean, that's the epitome of what Christ expects of us. It's obviously a supernatural thing. You, you, it, 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 it's something that comes from the Holy Spirit, but, uh, you know, we wrestle uh, against our flesh in, in trying to overcome the temptations of the flesh, which which, rest, which, which kind of pushes against doing that. Because I, I, I tell you how many times I have had to think about, okay, what am I going to do here? And if I apply that very simple principle, it's so easy. It just makes it so easy um, to, to yield and and do for somebody the way I would want them to treat me, um, to apply that principle. It's just, um, you know. Oh, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. In fact, I was thinking about the Apostle Paul and how that he, um, he was so persecuted for his faith. And the reason he was so persecuted is because he was a truth teller, but um, he did not, you know, he did not uh, take up arms. He didn't. He did. He didn't raise an army to go against the Roman authorities. Or he didn't. He didn't raise an army of followers to come against the Jews that were coming after him, and so on. In Psalm one nineteen, verse one sixty three, it says, "I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love." In other words, uh, now I know that. Uh, this is one thing that I I I just uh, as it relates to God's attributes, which are totally different than man's. We've all heard people get up in the pulpit and say, you know, uh, God loves the sinner and hates the sin. Well, no, uh, you have to put a qualifier on that. God loves right. all for. God loves all for whom he died for. He's not going to send the sin to hell. He's going to send the sinner to hell, okay? Yeah, good point. However, good point. There, there, there are no – there. have you ever thought about this? There are no lost – there are no lost elect people. I mean, I'm sorry. There, 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 I'm, what I meant to say is there are no lost reprobate people. Only lost people are elect. Okay, we are all born and conceived in sin, but we're going to be found. We're going to be found, but the reprobate will never be found. Okay, I mean they are they are going to be in eternity forever, um, without without God. But the lost, the lost sheep. Okay. He went and he said he the ninety and ninety went and found that one lost sheep, and he brought him to the fold. And so, we don't know who the lost sheep are. We you know we we hope um, that there there are a lot more than than it, that it seems to be apparent. But um, whether it's the highest person in office, whether it's you know. 
whether it's Trump or whether it's Hillary or whoever the most reprobate person you can think of, uh, I think of the Apostle Paul who was a murderer and God showed the Apostle Paul grace. And so nothing is beyond the power of God. You know, that's that's the thing that we have I think we have to realize. I think of myself. You know, I have to I I think of myself and I think of myself on a daily basis. And I think, you know what? Apart from God's grace, I'm damned. I'm doomed. You know, mm-hmm. apart from his continual you know, even though he finished the work on the cross, the fact is, like you said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. You know, what I do, I don't do, and what I don't do, I do, apart from God's Spirit working in me. And so, yeah, I uh, I, I do think you're making, and this is something that uh, anyone that knows Larry Phillips can tell you, that Larry Phillips is not, uh, that's what gives me hope, okay, is the fact that he could have mercy on the likes of me, okay? When we see our own depravity, you know, when we see our own unworthiness and our own uh, tendencies towards sin and all of that, uh, it it should humble us to the point where we can have, uh, we can love those around us more, I I would think. And that's, that's the message to myself today, you know. Yeah, and the the uh, um, the the most amazing thing I think is the unction of the Holy Spirit that gives us understanding. So, for instance, I I can read a passage, and while I might not understand it today, I'll think on it, pray over it, I'll read it tomorrow, and you know, He does give us understanding over time, um, and that that understanding is really i mean that's how i've come to understand what this what love means by reading these passages i mean the uh it took time for me to come out of the arminian swill because i would read the bible and i'm not kidding i would skip over passages because i didn't understand them i would oh, yeah. skip over yeah. i would skip yeah. over these passages that in that where jesus talks about well, you can't understand me because you're not chosen. What does that mean? I'll skip over that. You know, just move on. <laughs> and uh, it's like all of these passages involving God's grace, I just did not understand. They made no sense because I was in a Baptist church at the time. Now, I'm going back quite a few years now. I'm going back uh, 25 years, okay? Yeah. But no. uh, I'm – and this – I was – imbued with this free will okay yeah and um but it it uh oh i heard immediately i for the first time i heard grace preaching on the radio by a preacher it was a three-minute sermon and boom it just hit me like a bolt i said that's it that's the truth it just sounded so true and yeah. I immediately searched, and all those passages now made sense. I was being lied to in the church. These churches are deceiving people. There are sheep in those churches who are just dying for the gospel, but they're not hearing it. 
right. Oh, you're right. You're right. And I, I think that, you know, uh, I, I won't mention any names or anything, but uh, I've had several calls in the last month from people who are experiencing just what you stated in their churches. Um, they feel like they are being, um, you know, um, abused, you know, um, by by people in authority. Um, they're talking down to them. They're treating treating them terribly. They're they're putting them on a. They got real high expectations. If they don't meet their expectations. In fact, one person even said that they were sent a letter. They were excommunicated from the church. It just broke this person's heart. Just broke broke this person's heart. And, they were excommunicated. Uh, yeah, which is not For even what? a. Well, well that's, um, that's a that's a actually that's a Jewish doctrine. <laughs> I know it, it's absolute. It is. It's just and it, it's sad, you know, when when you got people in authority. Um, you know, and, and I I love this person to death, and this person may hear this message, and you know who you are. But uh, if you get up in front of your church and you say, you know, we have church discipline at the front door, not the back door. Wait a minute, you know, I mean, are you? Is that your job when people come into your church to put them through a screening process? to see if they're worthy to sit under you. I mean, it is, yeah, you can get me going. I mean, it's back to you scribes, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. Who Who is you to flee from the wrath to come? Um, anyway, he says in, in Luke, you know, like where you were at, for if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. But love mm-hmm. your enemies. Say love your enemies. And, and man, you know, a lot of these churches out there are nothing more than social clubs. You know, yeah. I, I was I attended a church for a while, and I won't even mention the name of the church. But we were actually thinking about joining the church, which, by the way, I don't even believe that membership per se is even a biblical thing. Actual formal membership, where you. Anyway, I was talking to this pastor, and I said, "What's the process, you know, to become a member?" Well, he says, first of all, you need to fill out an application." <laughs> okay. Wow. Fill out an application? Oh, really? You should have, you sh- you should have asked him where, 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 what passage is that in the Bible? I did. Where's that I did. I I said, "Hey, could you show me?" Any New Testament church that required somebody to fill out the application, I said that's preposterous. He goes, if you don't want to go along with our protocol and our rules of decorum, then you probably need to find another church. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Run. See, see the uh, that's a that's a that's a hierarchical system. It's not really a yeah. church because yeah. when I when I go to church, which I I consider this church. Right. Um, I I want to learn something. I want to be able to ask questions. I want to be able to give input. I want, you know, we are kings and priests. So That's this right. idea that that in fact they lord over people is that 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 I don't see that model anywhere in the New Testament. I don't either. I mean, the, if now 
the only thing I can see is if someone lies to the Holy Spirit, uh, we saw we see you know uh, Ananias and Sapphira get 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 knocked down by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't by people, you know. They right. lied Good to the point. Holy Spirit, yeah. and they, you know. But but the point is is that uh, you know this aspect of love. I don't think. In other words, I don't think that it is. Uh, I know. I think you'll agree with this. In other words, it's rooted and grounded in truth. Love is. In other words, we can't say that we love someone. Um, in other words, see the, the problem that, that that we're having in in this society that we're in today, and and a lot of it is is perpetrated by. Uh, humanistic psychology and and the self-esteem and Dobson's whole mess and all that, and that is yeah. the, the this idea that uh, self-love. You know, I've heard I've heard sermons on love. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. And so you're supposed to love yourself. You know, and they go into the whole self-love thing. The problem yeah. is is that Christ loved us and gave Himself for us, and that our love must be rooted and grounded in what Christ taught and what Christ lived. And so we, we're not saying, or I, I, you know, I know that you're the same way, Ed. We're not saying that love accepts things that are not true. In other words, love doesn't, in other words, if, if I have someone come to me and they say, "Hey, you know, I'm involved in in sexual immorality and this and that and the other and and that and uh, you know what are you go you know do you have any problem with that? Well, yeah, I do have a problem with that. You know, you need to repent. You know, you need to turn from it. You need to go to the Lord and ask Him to help you to overcome these uh, uh, these things in your life and so on. I'm not just going to go along with it." And put my approval on it because we all have our own little secret sins. And you know what? If we, if any of us say that we have no sin, the Bible says the truth is not in us. the The key is not to continue in our sin. Okay. And and like we've already said, if if the only way we can repent of our sin and turn from it is if God grants us repentance. And so that's the counsel. But but. There's a lot now. I'll give I'll one example, and then I think you use this even uh, in in. I think I heard you use this example maybe. Um, Jim Baker and, and Tammy Faye Baker, their son now, you know, he is a pastor of a homosexual church. Okay, okay. so he has he has embraced all of these people in his church under the guise of love, you know. Right before Dottie Rambo died, Dottie Rambo's daughter, Reba Rambo, got up on the stage with her husband and knelt down on the stage in front of homosexuals and asked them for their forgiveness for her being unloving and not accepting their lifestyle. That's what I'm talking about. Wow. Wow. That is bizarre. Yep. Can say that again. Was that Mike? 
Mark. Mike Leckham. Mark Kennedy in California. Kevin's friend. Oh, okay. You sound yeah. a little bit like you sound a little bit like the other Mike. Well, you know, oh. the reason the reason I said that about Mike, Mike has, you know, uh made a lot of good points regarding this aspect of um there there's a whole group of people out there that that uh, don't want to uphold um you know just moral even moral behavior anymore they in other words they act like that you're you're trying to you know put somebody in a box if you're upholding you know uh the 10 commandments now we know we can't per nobody's perfect we kept the 10 commandments but right. at the same time Christ said if you love me keep my commandments yeah okay and and we know what the greatest commandment is love the lord thy god with all your heart with all your mind with all your soul with all your strength and love mm-hmm. your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. you know so Yeah, the um, um, yeah these these commands are um, are things that we have to internalize. They're and, not optional. Uh, no, yeah. they're not optional. And and he defines what love is by using interchangeably the word charity. Right. Uh, and in first in first Timothy says now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned so his commandment is charity the end of his commandment is charity well what's his commandment the new commandment he gave us in fact the, uh, is to love one another and he Amen. said all the commandments are subsumed into, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. See, our, our condition, you mentioned self-love. Our condition, our sinful condition is one of self-love. And that's right. why psychology and Hindu meditation and all these other religions that, treat, that teach people that they have to learn to love themselves is the biggest lie. They don't have to learn to love themselves. That is their condition. And so if they encourage people to love themselves, to turn inward, to look inward, to look at themselves, to work on themselves, well, they're going to look in the mirror and realize, hey, I'm a wretched sinner. I'm not so special. Become, if, they, if they dwell on themselves, they will become miserable, and they do, and they do. These other religions, these people are miserable, okay, because they teach them particularly in the New Age religions, they teach them to dwell on self and develop their self-love and encourage self-love. Well, the self, self-love self is the sinful condition. Love That's is how right. you treat That's others. Right. It's You already feel love for yourself. You'll already do the best you can for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's our condition. Yeah, you know, the, the point is is that if we if if we're trusting... In ourself, uh, we are we are looking to the wrong place. Our our only hope can be in Christ. In Revelation nineteen, uh, this of course is Christ talking, and He says, "As many as I love, 
I rebuke and chasten. Mm. Be zealous, be zealous, therefore, and repent. You know, um, I you I think you referred to this on one of our other talks you said, but uh, as Job came down to the end of his discourse between his three friends and God. And he, when he came down to the end, he said, I repent in dust and ashes. Okay, that's where we should be. You know, mm-hmm. and I realized <clears throat> that's where I need to be, even on this call tonight, is I need to repent in dust and ashes. And and realize, and you know what, that gives me some hope to realize that uh, the reason that God is chastening me is because he loves me. If he didn't chasten me, you know, if he didn't show me by his Holy Spirit where I was in error and so on, uh, it would probably prove I was a bastard. I wasn't his child, you know. And so I, I think that that is true love. True love it shows um, God shows us his love. Um, by showing us ourselves through the Holy Spirit. And Arthur Pink wrote a book, and I would encourage if anybody can get their hands on it to do it. It's called The Holy Spirit. And, and it's, <laughs> you talk about contradistinction to Benny Hinn's book, The Holy Spirit. Benny Hinn wrote a book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. Oh, my. But if you put those two books down beside each other, Benny Hinn's book and Arthur Pink's book, you'll see where the truth is. But um, this is what he says in First John five three, or First John five two and five three. By this we know that we we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Okay. Mm-hmm. And oh, I mean, you 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 read that scripture to some people. Now you're a legalist. Now you're into legalism and all kinds of stuff. No, no, we're not legalists. We're just reading. And if you don't like the Bible, I'm sorry, but that's all it is, you know. Right, right. But then in Second Timothy, in Second John, he says, "I beseech thee, lady, not as though I write a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another, and this is love." that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that, as ye have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. And so there is a direct correlation between loving and keeping God's word. And keeping God's word is loving. That's what you're saying. Yeah. You know, this charity thing, you know, we, when you, you go through 1 Corinthians 13th chapter, you know, he says... There abide of faith, hope, and charity, or love, and the greatest of these is love. And so, um, wow, it's uh, every time I hear every time I hear a message on the love, you know, of, that God requires of us, I leave uh, asking God to help me. That's all I can say, you know. Well, that's all. That's all you can do. That's all you yeah, can do because yeah, yeah. because the love that he requires of us, we're incapable of doing. And in fact, mm-hmm. if you if you read Romans chapter five, it states the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So mm-hmm. the love that he requires of us, he gives us in our mm-hmm. hearts by the Holy Ghost. 
So right. what he requires of us, he gives us the ability to do. It's, it's mm. like repentance. We can't repent. God no. must give us the ability to repent through the Holy Spirit. Repentance is a gift of God. Faith is a gift of God. Repentance, faith, love, they all come from God. Nothing Man. we yeah. do is, is of us. Yeah. See? Yeah. He gets the glory for everything. That's exactly right. And rightly so. That's right. That is exactly right, because he says, my glory I will not share with another. And he that's says, you know, that's taking glory for ourselves. That's when we're... And that's, that's when, when we're... In, God, yeah. <laughs> we get glory... To anyone else than Christ, we're robbing God of his rightful honor. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, I'm i amazed that, you know, uh, now I, will, I want to touch on another thing, and that is pietism. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, I'm going to just share this with everybody, but and if I'm wrong, you know, you guys tell me I'm all wet because I may be just all wet. But I've been around a lot of very pious people, and very pious, pious acting people. Okay, and you know, there's a person right now. Every time I see him on TV or I, you know, pull up YouTube and he's doing a broadcast or an interview on CNN or any of the major news. It just turns my stomach. And he is, you talk about a masterful pietist, and that would be Vice President Pence. I mean, I'm telling you, this guy's got it down, brother. Oh, really? Now, I would challenge everybody on that. Now, I'm not trying to take a political stand. I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat. You know, I'm pretty much uh, apolitical, but I'm just talking about the man Pence. I've been around enough pietists. When someone starts shaking their head, okay, and giving you that little demeanor like, you know what, I I'm, I have the answers and I know this and this and this. Look, they're, the, the ones, you know, my wife, uh, she's my pooper scooper, Okay. <laughs> She's the one that can warn me of things, and she'll say, you know, she her favorite saying is, "Watch the smileys." Okay, watch the smileys. Okay. Mm-hmm. In other words, if someone is doing an act, you know, we've had some great actors in politics. Ronald Reagan was an actor. Uh, Trump mm-hmm. has been involved in media and the Apprentice Show. He was. He's a very but the reason I'm bringing this up now, how can I do? How do I love the rulers in the country? You know, there's we're supposed to we're supposed to uh, love those who are in authority over us and so on. Okay, that doesn't well, mean, that, that don't doesn't get me mean don't get have... me started, Larry, on that because <laughs> they're not in authority over us. They're our yeah. public servants. 
We have a yes. we have a constitutional republic where actually we are over them. We the people framed a constitution which gave them certain powers, not authority, powers to serve us. So right. they're not an authority over us. That's a misconception. Well, we I have no king. I'm glad you said that, brother. And you know we're talking about love tonight. Now, if I consider. It wouldn't matter who I was talking about, whether Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, okay? If I consider either one of them my enemies, um, based on this conversation tonight, I'm sp- still supposed to love them. I don't have to love their actions, okay? I don't have to love anything about what they're doing, okay? And, and I'm using that as an example for what we're talking about here, you know? If... if if uh, people often ask me the question, uh, if you got a call from Dick Bott right now, would you be on his broadcast? Yeah, I would. I'd go on his broadcast, and I would speak the truth in love. You know, um, I had a guy tell me one time. He says, when it comes to the gospel, I'll go anywhere and preach the gospel. Now there are scriptures that talk about what is it. Throwing your pearls before swine and all. If you're, in other words, if people are being receptive to the truth, that's one thing. But if they're if they're casting aspersions in your face for the truth, that's something else. And uh, but uh, you know, I think that I think that this has been a really good uh, uh, discussion because I I I know I have. I know I am, you know, like you said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities in high places. And we realize that we, you know, if we put on the whole armor of God, and we know the only way we can put it on is if he, if he, if he puts it on for us. I mean, in other words, we can't do anything in the flesh. Um. You know, there, there's some scriptures that seem to, to like for an example, Jude one twenty one, keep yourselves in the love of God. Well, how do we keep ourselves in the love of God? Well, the, the second part of the verse tells us how to do it. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's mm-hmm. the only way we can keep ourselves in the love of God is looking for his mercy, you know. And if if we... If we love the fact that He has forgiven us and shown us mercy, then um, I, I think that we will show mercy to others. You know, I think it, I think it's a natural outgrowth of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know, you talk about mercy. Uh, you know, the love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according right. to his mercy, he saved us. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's his mercy, he saved us. And we are not saved by the works of righteousness which we have done. And so even the love that we show for another, those are not, those are not works of righteousness which we have done. Those are works of righteousness that are done by God through us. We cannot even take credit for that. That's right. To be, obe- to be obedient to Christ is a supernatural thing. It's a supernatural. He takes over. Um, I don't know how to explain it. It's it's the Holy Spirit makes you willing 
he he uh, he takes your will and and conforms it to to do the things that God desires that we do. So, you know, one of the things that has always amazed me, and I've shared this before, sermon audio, and I think it sometimes it kind of gets people because um, most preachers, you know, they they say, in other words, most preachers don't want to admit that they struggle. <laughs> you know, they a lot of the preachers I know they're, they 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 want to present themselves as being something other than what they are. We're all you know in this same battle. It doesn't matter who we are. And this is a and I've often asked the question regarding the Apostle Paul. You know, why did he spend so much time exhorting? Okay, uh, if he knows that the Holy Spirit is the only one, but of course this preaching has in it the Holy Spirit's power while he's preaching. And I want to just read this. He says. Um, uh, he says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. And then he goes on and tells you what, what, Charity isn't and what charity is. <laughs> you know, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity emanateth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, they shall vanish away, and so on. And so, what he, what I, I've got tonight from this, Ed, and I'm really glad that, that you brought this subject up, is that love is synonymous with being in Christ. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, love is impossible. Right. True love is impossible. Yeah. yeah. He makes it possible. He, yeah. he fulfills the very thing he commands of us. He gives us the Holy Spirit and the ability to obey his commands. If you love well, me, you will keep my commands, he says. So there's no way to do that without the Holy Spirit, which he provides for us. Well, brother, I appreciate your uh, bringing this up. I think it was very timely. Maybe it wasn't for anyone other than Larry. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, we all are in need of uh, this continual uh, touch of God on our on our hearts and in our minds and on our lives. And um, is there anyone else on the call? We've been going now an hour and thirty two minutes. About um, Chris, uh, how about the other gentleman, Mike from California, is on with us? Uh, either one of you guys have any any uh, any comments? Okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. It's hard to uh sometimes it's hard to know uh how to end a program like this. 
Uh, and so because I'm going to take the easy way out, I'm going to let uh, I'm going to give Ed the last word here. <laughs> Go ahead, Ed. Okay. Uh, just makes the point that uh, you know it's it's by the grace of God uh, through faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved, and it is also mm-hmm. by the grace of God that we love one another and love anybody else. Um, it it is uh, it is His grace. It is his salvation, it is his love, it is his faith, it is his repentance that he has given us, and so all of these are gifts from God. Uh, you know, we, we are what God makes us. We are, we are stones in his temple. He is the chief cornerstone, however. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, I appreciate that, and I appreciate uh, um, the topic. And uh, we'll plan on doing this again next Monday. We've had, uh, let's see, there's one, two, three, four, six on the call tonight. And I'm sure that some people maybe have missed us because I did try to send out... um, emails to everybody that I had emails for um, tonight. But uh, anyway, uh, what uh, one of the other topics, that, and I'll just bring this up, Brother Ed, before we conclude, that Brother Ed had brought up, which I think is a timely topic, and that is the Islam. Uh, and I think, it, I think it would be good because we, we see a duality right now within our uh, not only our culture and our society and our government, we see on the one side we've got it seems like what I call Muslim sympathizers, and then on the other side we got Muslim haters, and then we it seems like of course we've got the Jewish people that are trying to foment, foment uh, I think hostilities. That's what I believe is happening, um, and of course. Um, we know that there is also a direct connection between the Jews and the Muslim religion and the Jesuits. We won't get into that tonight. So you want to take that up uh, next Monday night, uh, Ed? Well, actually, in view of um, uh, the issue that was raised this week, I think a better issue, a more topical issue, something that's more pressing and uh, and more germane to most other people is this the Hebrew Roots Movement. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Why don't you just give, again, uh, there's been some people join us uh, since we talked about that before we went on air. Why don't you just uh, give a, a little bit of a, a summary of, of what that's all about? Well, the Hebrew Roots Movement uh, has basically taken the position that because Jesus was a Jew, and he spoke Hebrew, that the New Testament was originally written in Hebrew, and therefore um, the his name should not be Jesus, but it should be Yeshua, or some say Yahashua. So um, the uh, either one, okay, and that in fact their view is that it's wrong, that Christ's name is not Jesus, but is in, it is in fact Yeshua. 
So it's wrong to call on the name of the Lord as Jesus, and uh, it, you must call on Yeshua. So that is the it's it's based on this idea that the New Testament was supposed to have been written originally in Hebrew, not Greek. And so Jesus is a corruption according to them. And it's error wow. to call Christ Jesus. Not that wow. not that Yeshua is a different way of saying Jesus. No. Their view is that it's wrong to say Jesus, that you must reject Jesus as Christ and accept his name as Yeshua. Wow. So that's not yeah. only reject that's not only rejecting uh, Jesus, the name of Jesus, it's also rejecting a lot of other things. It's rejecting the preserved word of God down through history. Four hundred and thirty mm-hmm. years of the preserved word of God and right. it's also re- rejecting the, the, the translators. See, I, I believe right. the translators I believe the translators were even inspired by God. You know, I agree with you. I agree with you. And, the more I understand, and, yeah. the more I understand what it. See, you. I didn't realize this before. I did. I didn't have the discern the, the discernment. But whenever anybody jumps on somebody for saying something and does not even allow that topic to be discussed, that's right. You should perk up your ears and think. Wait a minute. There's something else going on here. So this idea yeah. of as soon as you mention that the King James translators were inspired, that concept has been poo-pooed, shouted down, stomped oh, down, and they do not even let that. It's like, oh, how could you say such a thing? That's not even something that is, is, is worthy of discussion. You are backwards <laughs> to su- suggest such a thing. And, and, and uh, wow, the ad hominem attacks, it's oh, really no. something. And I'm thinking, uh-huh. hmm, there must be something to this. And I think you're I absolutely had, right. I they were, had, they were inspired. I, I even had one guy tell me it's a proven fact that one of the translators of the King James Version was Arminian. I go, so what? I said, you know, <laughs> if God can, God can use a donkey, he can use an Arminian in the, in the group. Yeah. You know, I said, yeah. so anyway. Well, listen, yeah. uh, that's good. Well, we'll we'll plan on doing that. Um, we'll be discussing uh, the Hebrew Roots Movement and this whole issue. Very interesting. I'm I'm really I'm going to learn because I'm going to be probably just in a listening mode because I haven't really researched that at all. Maybe I can do a little bit this week. But um, anyway, I want to thank everybody for being on the call tonight. We really uh, uh, we thank both people from California. Thank you, Chris, and Toronto, Canada, and uh, Andrew from Wichita, Kansas. Thank you, Ed, for joining us and. Uh, We'll look forward to uh, continuing this next week. Okay. See you next okay, week. Okay, good night. All right. Oh, by good the way, night. what time are we going to be doing it next week? Do we know? Um, I think we're going to try to stay with this time, get people used to it. Um, I think in the long run, it's going to be probably better for Ed. <laughs> that way he, <laughs> he will, he'll, you know, because 5.30 comes along awful quick, you know. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just plan on uh, the same time next week. Okay. All right. We'll see you next week, seven o'clock. Okay.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.